Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. I know we we always make the joke whenever Evan's not here, one of us says, and I'm Evan, but hear me out. I'm sitting where he sits. I'm drinking a, instead of my usual water, I made Gatorade. And I just golfed 18, which set us back about half an hour on a recording on a recording time. So I'm picking up the mantle pretty well today. You haven't eaten since you got in that chair, though, so you're still a step behind. Yeah. In fairness, we do have to hide the food from Evan. <laughs> he comes in and he tries to like he raids our kid. He raids my kitchen and he just stuffs snacks in his pocket and he pulls them out. And it's like it's kind of like a toddler. Do we have a toddler together? <laughs> oh no. No, I uh, I have an actual toddler, way more energy than Evan. That's good. Yeah, you know what? If Evan had toddler energy, this yeah. show would have died years ago. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks, officially the off-season. This is the first uh, episode of our off-season, so to speak, which means we are going down to one episode a week uh, in terms of what's uh, made uh, publicly available for everyone. We made it. It is now... Winged Wheel Podcast Summertime. Welcome to the show. We're here to talk to you all things Red Wings hockey, the world of the NHL and beyond. I'm one of your hosts, Ryan Hanna. I am Brad Crisco. And not pictured is uh, Evan Lobsinger. Someone finally called out, I think it was Linda, uh, finally called out the fact that we used the Mark Stahl (laughs) (laughs) 1000 t-shirt on the middle chair and on camera on the YouTube uh, video, his like eyes are just kind of peeking over. (laughs) And I'm very happy because it's very intentionally set up. Uh, On this episode of the Winged Wheel podcast, we have some housekeeping items to let you know what's coming for the show over the next weeks and months. Uh, We have some, not baseless speculation, but just some, eh, it's off season. Let's have some fun with the speculation about players like Nazem Kadri. We might take a look at some lines. There's a little bit of NHL news in terms of uh, Jersey, uh, the company or whichever company is going to take over for Adidas is now going to be a debate for maybe up to the next two years uh, as their contract is not going to be renewed. Uh, John Klingberg signed not with Detroit, but in a very unique way, which I think has, you know, has made waves in terms of what's John Klingberg's market and who's paying what for right-handed defensemen. And uh, we have our final uh, of this advertising campaign, the our final FanDuel betting segment, where we take a look at some 2022-2023 season odds. So we'll be taking a look at who might make the playoffs, conference winners, presidents, trophy, all that. So actually, you know what? There's quite a bit to look at in terms of uh, next season. And I love way too early speculation because that's the stuff where you're just like so wrong, you're accidentally right. Because <laughs> once we think we know it all and we get to the season, then it's just like way off. Yeah, exactly. Every year I just pick the winners from the year before, but how many times are there ever actually repeats? <laughs> but this year, maybe. No. Has this ever worked for me before? No. But but it just might. It's never worked for any of those people, but it just might work for us. <laughs> I love to butcher a TV quote. Uh, yeah, if, I, I only vaguely knew the TV quote. I figured it was whatever the show was. You've seen it. Yeah. And I was right. Yeah. Uh, before we get into all that, I do want to call out the Jamie Daniels Foundation and organization. We're very, very proud to uh, support. There's more to come on that in terms of what you're going to hear on the podcast. And uh, those flannels are coming, I promise you. 
they are coming. Uh, the more we talk about some substance use disorder, the faster we can end the stigma and get support those in need. The Jamie Daniels Foundation is a children's foundation initiative that was established in memory of Jamie Daniels and founded by Jamie's father and Red Wings lead announcer, our good friend Ken Daniels, uh, and uh, Jamie's mother, Lisa Daniels Goldman. The foundation strives to end the stigma of substance use disorder and provide support to those struggling with the disease or who are in recovery. To learn more and offer your support, visit jamiedanielsfoundation.org. The Detroit Red Wings, not in on John Klingberg anymore. He signed a very unique one-year, $7 million deal with the Anaheim Ducks, uh, but have, again have been a name that have been linked to Nazem Kadri. And let's just qualify this association right now. There have been firm rumors, if not actual tangible information, uh, about Nazem Kadri linked to the Colorado Avalanche, which isn't a surprise. Team he just played for. He would obviously say that he'd want to go back there. He just want to cup with them for the right price. Uh, and they would obviously love to have him back for the right price. So that depends on their cap situation. That's fair. The New York Islanders, I think that makes a lot of sense. Is it easy to get news out of the Lou Lamorello camp? No, not really. But that one seems fair. And there's kind of a conspiracy theory that that's one of Lou's contracts that he just has in the drawer. So pending some, some cap moves, maybe that could be announced there. And when you get down the list to the Detroit Red Wings, the Detroit Red Wings are pretty much only linked because it seems like it could be a fit and they have the cap space. I'm going to lead this and say, I don't think it's happening. Uh, if Andrew Kopp wasn't signed, maybe, but with where Nazem Kadri is in age and what he'd probably probably be looking for, unless he went the John Klingberg route, I don't see it happening because I don't see Detroit giving that much term for the amount of money he's going to command. But let's just have the conversation for the sake of it. I don't think he'll be comparable to John Klingberg because the difference between him and Klingberg was everybody agrees on who and what Nazem Kadri is as a player and what quality of player he is, more or less. Klingberg, the debates are out there. He's like, yeah, he's great offensively, but he's a nightmare defensively. So how valuable actually is he, right? Those debates aren't there with Kadri. Um, I've seen some people throw the argument around of, no, the Red Wings can't be in on Kadri because, you know, you just signed Cop, you signed Suter last year. Like you have Valeno on the fourth line. Like all your center spots are spoken for. I know I talked about this a few episodes ago. It bears repeating. Uh, that's loser mentality. Don't ever think that. If you can upgrade, you upgrade. If we have to bump Andrew Kopp to the wing because he's playing with Nazem Kadri, that's okay. That's an upgrade. That's a plus. That's a win. You always upgrade whenever you can upgrade. Um, you know, I, I've been on record for a few years of saying I'm a big fan of Nazem Kadri. I like his game. Um think he's a great player i'm glad to see he's finally getting the recognition he deserves as to how good he actually is i don't think he's as good as he was last year that feels pretty unsustainable especially outside of colorado but he's still like a legit upper tier second line center yeah um if the red wings were interested in him that would make a ton of sense as long as it's short term he's he's gonna be 32 before the season starts exactly i Honestly, if the Red Wings were to sign Nazem Kadri to a two-year contract, I'd be fully on board, and I almost don't even care what the cap hit is. The Red Wings have infinity cap space right now, like close to 10 mil. I know they still got a couple of off to sign. 
Um, and their cap situation is in a great situation for next year. So they can afford to overpay a player for the next two years if they're a legitimately good player. So, but again, the issue with Kadri is he's 32. He's probably going to start declining this year. Frankly, it's a testament to him that he hasn't already. Yeah. Um, I mean, again, I, I really like Kadri's game. I think he's underrated, but you're right. Colorado and that team has helped a lot. Oh yeah. A thousand percent. You put anybody on that team and their, their stats are going to get inflated, but again, still a good player. Even on a bad team, he's probably a 60 point guy. Like Mm -hmm. he's good. Um, but yeah, like you can't have any faith in the NHL anymore to have guys be super successful past the age of 35 because 98% of the league follows that trend. Yeah. You have the freaks of nature every once in a while, like Crosby and Bergeron who do. They are such severe outliers and they were, they're even still lesser versions of themselves in the 20s, but because they were such superstars in their 20s, like a lesser version yeah. of Sidney Crosby is still a point per game player. <laughs> yeah. The the seventy-five percent of twenty-five year old Sidney Crosby is still an MVP candidate. Like Yeah. When so, you're a generational talent, that's yeah. how it goes. Yeah. Nazem Kadri isn't that. He's still really, really good, but he isn't that. But he solves a lot of problems for the Red Wings. He's a huge upgrade um at, you know, one of their weaker positions. Like it all makes sense. Provided the contract makes sense, which if I'm Nazem Kadri and I'm 32 year old, 32 years old going into the season, this is my last payday. I'm not settling on my contract. We will talk about John Klingberg and all the reasons beyond his control, why he had to, but if I'm Kadri, I am maxing this out, whether it's term or like, fine, I'll take a short-term deal, but the AAV you would have to pay me is going to make up for those three extra years you're not giving me. Yeah, he's gonna. It would ha- he would be asking for something like what Barkov is making in terms of terms of AAV. Like he'd be closer to ten than not. Yeah, exactly. And on a short term deal, which as I, again, I also really like Nazem Kadri's game. I think he's he's as good as he has been boneheaded in the past, um, which is very <laughs> for both, but not for that much. Not for that much money. Again, I agree with you. I could stomach a certain amount over value. Um, doesn't necessarily make sense for the Red Wings. There would be a lot of people saying no. And I think the argument there would be, okay, you have Larkin, Kadri, Cop. That is a pretty sweet top three centers, uh, considering, especially considering where the Red Wings have been in, in the recent past. But that pretty firmly puts them into, all right, well, if you're paying Kadri this much, then you are trying to make the playoffs and you had better hope that the advantages or the improvements that you made uh, in the defensive core can keep up with the, you know, planned or projected increase in scoring that you just added to your offense. Because then that top nine starts to look awfully playoffy. If you have Raymond Larkin, Bertuzzi, Verona, Kopp, uh, Perron, Kadri, you know, Kubalik, Zadina, whichever winger is, is playing well enough to be on that third line, not to mention Fabry, who's who's going to be out for a while with his uh, ACL surgery. That is a you need to be trying to make the playoffs with that with those forwards. You're not paying that much to guys who are in their 30s or who will be in their 30s to not make the playoffs. So this all kind of ties into like we're having this conversation because Detroit's been mentioned and they've been tied to uh, Kadri, but there's very narrow ways in which this makes sense in my mind. 
Yeah, Detroit's got to be careful to not be that team that gets content with what they did this offseason because, you know, they're going to be a fringy playoff team this year, like at best, which is not where you want to live. But you have to be there at some point because it's a you're not going from the basement to cup contenders without going through this step. The Nazem Kadri type of move is like the move you make next summer if the team misses the playoffs by like five points this year. Yeah. And you're like, okay, we're good. We improved a lot. We're very clearly not a contender yet. Who's the guy that we can bring in to put over the top? Now you could go for the big swing like a Matthew Kachuk, or you could find, you know, the veteran who is really, really good, but you could probably get for less term. You know, obviously I I want Kadri on a two-year term right now. He's not taking that, but someone along those lines. Someone and, who can add to the forward group and really push them over. Yeah. And again, I'm a big advocate of if you can upgrade, you always upgrade. And you know, if the Red Wings are a fringy playoff team now and they can add Kadri for, you know, a couple years and all of a sudden like, no, 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 they should be like unseating Boston this season. That's the goal. Sure. Like if you can get further along that path now without sacrificing anything other than a couple of years worth of cap space, absolutely you do it. Because if you could skip that, you know, fringy middle stage, perfect. Nobody likes to be there. That'd be awesome. Again, from cadre standpoint, I don't see how that makes any sense at all to take a two-year contract right now, unless you're getting 10 mil a year. You know, would you be happy to see cadre in a Red Wings sweater? Me personally, yeah. That is going to be an improvement. But considering the context we just talked about, it makes it seem not disagreeable. There are like we like we have just mentioned, there are ways in which this makes a lot of sense. And I'm sure more that we aren't just aren't just aren't thinking about right now. It's not disagreeable. It's just unlikely. Yeah. On the topic of and I'm glad you brought it up, Brad, uh, where the Red Wings are in that kind of awkward middle step. And it's uncomfortable for people. I was talking to someone they're in the hockey world and there's apparently a little bit of a not split where people think, you know, Eisenman was completely wrong, but there are some people who think, you know, there wasn't a need to go out and spend like this, especially in a Bedard year. And I was pretty surprised to hear that because as someone who who is a big proponent for in for a penny and for a pound with your pain, just at least get something out of the hurt and try to get Bedard or Michkov or, or Fantilli or whoever, um, I think you can't really have a problem with with what Eisenman is doing. And that is driven almost completely by, there are other factors here, but it's driven almost completely by the grand slam picks that have been, that have turned out in Maurice Sider and Lucas Raymond. They have made this team so much better that there is no way the Red Wings would be a, you know, a bottom three, four, five lottery team this year. They, you would have to be trying to suck intentionally for astronomically low odds the red wings have had no lottery luck and that doesn't give them any kind of chip for next season as we've seen because they've not done they've not gotten anything in terms of lottery luck they've had to create their own lottery wins by drafting cider and raymond so knowing that knowing that they're already too good even at their worst to be in that range and seeing the importance of a winning culture and i'm going to sound like you know prototypical hockey man tm but a winning culture, making sure that your cap, your young core at either phase, like the Cider Raymond level or the Larkin Bertuzzi, Verona, whatever level, winning is important. That winning culture is important because when they're deflated, you see the worst versions of those players. Think of what people were saying about Dylan Larkin before this past season that he had because they just watched him when he was at rock bottom. They're like, oh, he sucks. He's a third line center, blah, blah, blah. All this stupid shit, really, for people who just weren't understanding the context of the red wings 
that has very real implications on how a team develops. We were among the biggest critics of Jeff Blashill. And we also acknowledge that Jeff Blashill didn't have the roster to succeed. There were criticisms that went beyond that, but still a, a better roster. And we probably have a different result with Jeff Blashill. It is important to get better. Is it awkward? Yes. Is it clean? No. Is the timing going to be perfect? No, but there's no such thing as a perfect rebuild. So how can you sit here in my mind and criticize when a GM decides to make moves to make your team better? You can't go from, you know, uh, lottery contender to Stanley cup contender in one season. It just doesn't happen that way. You got to take those little iterative steps. The last time the Red Wings made the playoffs was Dylan Larkin's rookie year. And now he's about to sign a contract that'll take him into his mid early to mid thirties. For context, you think if uh, the Red Wings didn't start to turn the corner, he'd have a whole hell of a lot of reason to stick around. That's a great point. I mean, Bertuzzi too. Larkin Bertuzzi, Verona, you want these guys to be part of the future. Okay. Well, they get a large say in that. So you better do something to get them to want to stay. So what this offseason shows Larkin and Bertuzzi is, hey, it starts now. We're turning the corner. Like if this season goes poorly, like now the blame starts to shift to Larkin and Bertuzzi going, you're the core of this team. You guys are the centerpieces. We gave you pieces to work with and it still went sideways. What happened? Yeah. Right. So Eisenman's basically telling the the core pieces of this team, we're going to win soon. That's the plan. Get in or you're just going to stall us. It also makes a big difference with free agents. Red Wings fans, there's, I think there's two kinds of Red Wings fans right now. The ones who are still living in the days where the Red Wings brought in, you know, Hashik, all, pretty much all the people from the O2 team. Think about that. And there are people who are like, free agents. No, we don't get those. We don't get those at all. But the reality is that hit people hard in the face. People who wanted to, who didn't want to face what the rebuild was hard around the Stamkos contract. Stamkos didn't even meet with Detroit. Was that what set things in motion? No, but it was a pretty strong, loud litmus test into where the Red Wings are at in terms of being an attractive free agent market. They don't have the tax advantage. They don't have the weather advantage. Great fishing and camping, mind you. Like, awesome. But the the allure of Detroit has always been original six team, winning culture, phenomenal program. And they have not been a phenomenal program. There has not been a winning culture for a long, long time. So to get better, to bring those free agents in is also something that is on Steve Eisenman's mind. We're seeing it kind of manifest now a little bit, depending on how you feel about the Ben Chirot contract. He did come in for less money than he could have probably had elsewhere. Andrew Kopp came in. They had to give him the five years. But I mean, look at what Vincent Trocek got. Like Detroit got a deal on that, ostensibly speaking, especially for a centerman. There are a lot more free agents even considering Detroit than would have been what would have been over the past like three, four, five, six years. Yeah, it's it's all part of what kind of what had to happen, especially with how the Red Wings hands were tied. That's what's funny thinking back is I think a lot of people aren't surprised by how long this has taken. Like you mentioned, it was Larkin's rookie year where they made the playoffs for like the last time. And, you know, he's now signing a contract that's going to take him into his 30s. That is not surprising to hear. And I don't think that would have been surprising to hear back then. Like the Red Wings were 
on a downward spiral with all options to move upward removed from them like their hands and feet they, the red wings were hogtied roster and cap wise and it was a long time before they could even start to to turn the bend on that when everybody was questioning ken holland about you know should he start a rebuild back when the streak playoff streak was still alive he was talking about it's a 10-year process and he got roasted for that comment um he should have, but not for the reasons he thought, because he was wrong to delay it. Yeah. But he was right. Like, you go from teardown to rebuild to the time you're a cup contender again. Well, we're here, what, year seven? Yeah. And I don't think the Red Wings are within three years of winning a Stanley Cup. So he was right. And that's the reality of the NHL these days. Like, to do a full, like, Edmonton-Buffalo-level rebuild... Yeah, it takes three, four years to strip it to the ground and to clear out the junk, all the dead contracts that they had. Like, this is the first offseason where we're not talking about what the anchor contract is this upcoming season because the Kaiser was the last of them and it's gone now. Like, so this is the first summer where Eisen really did truly have a clean slate. And, you know, obviously he used it to his advantage and it timed out well with, you know, when he wanted this team to turn a corner and with Larkin and Bertuzzi's contracts upcoming, all that stuff factors in. But yeah, you can't sit here and rebuild for 15 years. Like it's been seven, six, seven years. Like it's time. Like it is time. I will argue with one thing though. When Ken Holland said a rebuild takes 10 years, I think he was wrong. I, I agree with you, Brad. He got the reason why he should have been criticized is because that is no reason to extend a rebuild. Being scared of it, the the Philly mentality of it's hard, therefore we're not going to. Yeah, like yeah, yeah no, he. I don't care that it, we know it's going to take a while, but like all the more reason to get started. I think the worst version of a rebuild takes ten years, and I don't think the Red Wings needed to do this version of the rebuild. They didn't need to do Buffalo, Edmonton, all that. And you know what? They didn't even get the lottery wins. I think had they started preparations for it sooner, then yeah, it didn't need to take 10 years. And we've yeah, seen less bad contracts, probably trading key players for a better return before their value dwindled. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I understand why he did that. Like the yeah, pressure if, from if, ownership if, was loud. If Ken said like in his terms, like where this team is at, it's 10 years. Fair. But um, yeah. Because you put them there, Ken. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know. The, the, man, the, the what is it the cause of and solution to all of the red wings problems but uh <laughs> at yes. the time but no it's it is what it is because again when the by the time holland decided to they didn't have another choice this no. was this was the only level of rebuild that was feasible yeah there there came there, a point where i think the criticism uh the, the argument against us criticizing ken holland was well what else is he supposed to do at this point point? and the response is yeah fair but they're down this long narrow path where you can't turn around in this very narrow tunnel because of the guy who got who put the red wings here anyhow he's the guy in the hot dog suit yes very much so anyhow brad i think your point the 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 words that really bring it home is it's time it really is just time is there more perfect timing? Can you play the odds and ma- like min max this a little better in terms of percentages? Sure, but it's time. And I don't even like to think about it this way, but there's also a very real business aspect of this. You need to put butts in seats. And let's take the money out of it for a second. Shit, Detroit fans deserve something. Like 
think of how much fun we had watching Cider and Raymond and the best of Larkin and Bertuzzi last year. And, you know, every time Verano would score, like you just needed that. How many times last year did we watch a game and go, I have not felt X way since 2015, 2014, 2013. It's time. Yeah. I mean, a Connor Bedard would be a nice way to cap off sure, sure. a rebuild, but think of how devastatingly bad the Red Wings were last year. They picked eighth. Yeah. They're not close. They're not close. So much would have to happen for them to be a Connor. They would have to suck in so many different ways. All the other teams down there would have to be great in so many different ways, and they would still need lottery luck. Like, it's just insane to shoot for it. Yeah, no, okay. it, it wasn't realistic. And, you know, if you need things to be historic, hey, that's what the Tigers are for. <laughs> please, please. Hey, they managed to beat the Blue Jays once this weekend. I almost texted you after that. And then I was like, you know what? There's still better. two games left. Yes, I do know better. Okay. Was it? No, Derek Law had a hell of an outing yesterday, was it? Yeah. First pitcher in MLB history in one inning to have an error, a wild pitch, a hit by pitch and give up a homer. You know what, Brad? We're going to move on to an ad break here. <laughs> Uh, this episode of the winged wheel podcast is proudly brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook. They're a sponsor that gives hockey fans what we really need even more excitement in the game, especially during the off season. There's so many reasons why FanDuel is America's number one sports book. They're simple to use with great odds on different betting markets, giving you more action every game day. Plus there are tons of fun with unique bet types like same game parlay and exclusive promos on the biggest events. And when you win, you get your winnings back safely in as little as 24 hours. Now listen to this. FanDuel is letting you place your first bet risk-free up to $1,000. Just place a bet on any game and FanDuel will refund you up to $1,000 back in site credit if you don't win that first bet. If you win, you keep the cash. If you lose, you'll get up to $1,000 back in site credit. Download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started with that risk-free bet of up to $1,000 and be sure to sign up with promo code WWP so they know the Winged Wheel podcast sent you. That's FanDuel Sportsbook, promo code WWP. Must be 21 and older and present in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, West Virginia, Indiana, Colorado, Iowa, Tennessee, Virginia, or Michigan. First online real money wager only. Site credit is non-withdrawable and expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See sportsbook.fanduel.com for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, or Virginia, Tennessee Redline 1-800-889-9789, 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia, or call 1-800-270-7117 in Michigan. Jersey time. Adidas. They are out. It was announced that Adidas won't seek to renew the NHL uniform and apparel deal after the 2023-2024 season. So this is the end of a contract and Adidas has let the league know that they are not going to seek to renew it. So two more seasons with Adidas as the official jersey supplier of the NHL. And then it's back to the drawing board for the league. Is this major news? No. Is it fun? Somewhat. Uh, a lot of people are calling for like old school Nike, like they want the Nike nostalgia back. And you know what? I think that sounds like fun and cool and good. But at the same time, I also am thinking of like what they did to the Olympic hockey jerseys. It was at USA's were terrible. Oh, is it where everybody had the diamonds on the sleeves? And there was just the straight bar across. Yeah, those were horrible. They turned everything into a soccer uniform. Yeah. Anyhow, uh, Adidas out. So uh, I asked our good friend Rowan, Jersey expert, and he noted uh, a few people or a few companies, CCM, Nike, Reebok, Bauer is a name that's coming up quite a bit as well. And I know these gets into like parent companies and things like that, who actually owns what, but we'll see what happens. I saw someone bring up Under Armour. 
Under Armour would be cool. That would be, I'd be curious to see what they do because I know nothing of Under Armour jerseys. I heard they did some schools, like some colleges or something yeah, like that. Yeah, they do. They have quite a big NCAA presence. Yeah. So, you know, NCAA jerseys by and large suck. So I don't know how that uh, would play out here because every NCAA team now just says, hey, let's just write our name across the front of the jerseys. Screw them. I can't stand those. And I'm not even like being a biased Michigan fans, like the oversized state lettering for Michigan State. I can't stand those. Like, I, I won't even say I don't like that style of jersey. It, can work like there is a good way to make those jerseys look dope as hell but when every damn team is doing it yeah like it's just enough but um my hope is that it goes to a hockey company yeah someone who understands hockey like not i'm not saying bauer or ccm for sure but something along those lines like they they're they've been in hockey for a while they get hockey which means they know hockey fans and they're going to design jerseys tailored to hockey fans which we have not had in a while you know adidas at least to their full credit when fans in several markets, you know, we're yelling and screaming and going, our jerseys suck. Can we please just go back to the old ones? They listened. Yeah. You know, Calgary comes to mind. Their jerseys were pretty terrible. And, you know, the every Flames fan's like, can we please go back to our 80s jerseys? And, you know, Adidas and the Flames got together and went, yes. And they made it happen. And they look great. Um, so, you know, I just, I, I want a company that's not going to overthink it like that like yeah come up with a just a good hockey jersey which sounds like a stupid statement but like i think hockey fans understand what i mean when i say that teams often either because they're oblivious they're like just too close to the problem or because they're too driven by you know wanting to just constantly make a new buck by getting fans to buy a different jersey they often miss the easiest wins yeah. And I don't think Adidas was perfect. I know they've had their issues and I know quality of like actual jerseys they've been selling to fans. They're expensive and the quality maybe hasn't been there. Um, but I think they got a lot of things right with respect to what you mentioned, Brad. Also a really weird thing. And I know I'm just like a loser for even noticing this. I love the dimpled shoulders. I didn't know that I would, but I think it's a really cool effect and I think it makes jerseys look really clean. So if that, go- if that goes away, I'll be a little sad. Yeah. Like different characteristics of jerseys. Like I forget what brand it was that had kind of like the mesh under for a little bit of breathability and Reebok had it for a little bit. Yeah. I like that. Like little touches like that. I'm okay with, uh, as long as it doesn't hinder the pop, like yeah. it doesn't stand out. And I, I was fine with that. So yeah, I'm, I'm curious, cautiously optimistic, like again, getting back to it and to kind of explain what I was getting at maybe a little more clearly as we saw with Nike and the Olympic jerseys. I understand trying to design a jersey that kind of feels more like other sports to hopefully draw those fans in. Spoiler alert, every fan of other sport readily admits hockey jerseys are the best. And that was before you started trying to pander to them. So don't make a good hockey jersey look like a shitty soccer jersey. I'm sorry, soccer uniforms suck um, by and large, but they're horrible. So don't make a jersey that looks like that. Keep it pure to hockey and any soccer fan who looks at hockey will go, I may never watch this sport, but that's a dope ass jersey. Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, Less. Well, we'll move on from the jersey talk, but um, more into actual material changes in terms of players in the league. John Klingberg. Shut up. (laughs) Come on. That was was so so, bad. I was so light. I want to skate past it. (laughs) I was ready to just accept that it was bad. <laughs> just let me get away with it, man. It's the off season. 
I thought we were friends. <laughs> we is- were until that joke. <laughs> That's fair. Tell Mika and Hank I'll miss them. <laughs> uh, John Klingberg, probably one of the most notable free agents left on the market other than Kadri. Um, right-handed, extremely offensive, not only offensive defenseman. Um, was holding out for something big, turned down, I think, what was it, around eight by anywhere between six and seven million dollars per year with dallas he got that at some point last season wanted to test free agency has ended up taking a one-year deal at seven million with anaheim which let me put this out there first good by anaheim pat verbeek obviously is running the show there that is the he's been watching steve eisman do that pick up a good player for a price that makes sense to them plan on retaining some of it trade them at the deadline if you're not in it which anaheim is not expected to be and he'll get a haul for john klingberg but you know klingberg holding out for a seven-year big deal firing his agent when he didn't get it and then having to take on this one-year deal soon after hiring the new agency like that is it's a little hit to him and he's not getting younger he's gonna have to get better defensively uh because i think the way the nhl's pandering is hey if you're an offensive defenseman that's great but you have to play you have to play defense well as well yeah um unless you're philadelphia in which case who cares but um they watched eric carlson they watched brent burns they watched kale mccarr well oh you're talking about like like ones that didn't pan out they overpaid for the amount of defensive work they actually purely one-way defenseman yeah yeah Yeah, because like you look at kale mccarr he can play d you look at Roman Yossi, put up a hundred, almost hundred points. He can play D. Yeah. Like you watched Colorado in the finals, Tampa in the finals. A lot of these teams that made runs, their top defensemen in terms of points were perfectly fine defensively. John Klingberg isn't. He's from his own blue line to his own net, one of the worst defensemen in the league. <laughs> like I think we all remember the highlight this year where. D- Dylan Larkin absolutely turnstiled him. And as much as we praise Larkin for the sick move, like, I mean, there's U18 defensemen who would have played that better than that because you it's don't just know what he does. You don't reach for a guy to the outside with speed, and Klingberg just got walked on it doing something every defenseman's taught from the time they're seven years old to not do. And I think he's a product of the modern game, right? Like scoring is the name of the game. Yes, offense coming old. from all parts of the ice. I, I Offense coming from all parts of the ice. Is he, you know, is he the perfect defenseman for the modern NHL? No, but there is a place for those defensemen. As painful as me, a defenseman purist, it hurts my soul to see that, but there is a place for him and I can understand the value behind him. And as John Klingberg just learned those types of defensemen, even though there's a place for him, don't get paid anymore. I I actually think there's a chance he will get paid again. Yeah. If he can go to Anaheim and Dallas Akins can exercise some defense into him. Sure. Like John Klingberg's offensive gifts are truly special. He's one of the best puck movers in the league from the back end. Like I'm not diminishing what he can do on, you know, I'll, I'll say two thirds of the ice because he is a phenomenal transition defenseman as well. Um, he brings a lot of value. And if he can become, I'm not even saying good. If he can become competent in his own end, mm-hmm. he'll be hugely valuable to a cup contender. He might even be this year. If the first half of his year goes, Anaheim retains half salary. They'll get a haul. Yeah. Yeah. They'll get from a contender a for a three and a half million dollar John Klingberg. I like there's a lot of things that could play into the the 
Klingberg situation. Like he overvalued himself. He priced him out of the market. The flat cap hindered a lot of things. And, you know, all that is, I'm sure, at least partially true. Um, but we just saw a free agency period where teams spent. The money was flowing. He did not get it. I think the simplest reason why this happened is, yeah, teams watched all the top teams the last few years and they went, our D zone matters a lot. Is the NHL settling a little bit into a, you don't have to be big and like colossal all over the ice, but if you're going to have a small speedy forward group or have small speedy forwards be part of your important core, your defensemen have to be massive and tough to play against. I don't think it's going to, it's that specific, but the NHL now where, you know, it's not like it was before where fourth liners were useless and third line wingers were barely hanging on. Everybody can play now. You can't afford to have a black hole over 25% of your defensive zone. You just can't. Like About 75% of the defensive zone. Welcome to the last seven years of the Red Wings. Yeah. But that kind of leads to the point, right? Like John Klingberg isn't entirely dissimilar to what Philip Hironik was last year. Now, obviously his his offensive game is stronger than Hironik, but man, we were ripping our hair out watching a lot of the stuff Philip Hironik did last year. Imagine we were watching that in the conference finals. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what teams are thinking with John Klingberg. Like, and I honestly, I don't, can't say I blame them. <laughs> I think it's smart. I think it's smart for teams to not have paid John Klingberg like Seth Jones money. Like you don't need another contract that's going to be bad the moment it starts. And that we haven't even mentioned he's what thirty one or thirty. He'll be thirty in two next. Yeah, he's thirty. So and again, is he going to be good? Yeah, he'll be good for at least a few years yet. He's a defenseman. There's a little bit less wear and tear on him, et cetera. cetera. Doesn't rely on speed. Doesn't play a super physical game. He should hold up well. But at the same time. You know, the fact that Dallas was even willing to give him eight years, I'm kind of shocked that yeah. he got advice from his agent to not take that contract or that the market would be bigger. I get it. Like, you just watch Seth Jones make what he makes. You just watch Darnell Nurse make what he got. You're you're watching, well, I mean, the Kale McCarr contract was considered a steal from the moment it was signed, but I digress. I don't blame a guy who plays a premium position in this league betting on himself and going to market. I, I'm going to disagree with you a little bit, Brad. I don't think that the NHL is just done paying those guys. I think this is a combination of there are only so many suckers out there. They made their moves fast and the cap isn't rising. If he wants to take a chance and then convince a team in a year to say the cap will rise in one, two, three years, pay me this much based on that and I'll be a steal. I think that is... It's not, uh, I don't think he's in a better position he, than he was when he got the eight year offer from Dallas, but it's better than it's his best option right now. No, yeah. He's never going to see a contract like that offer from Dallas ever again. I he, can see a team being dumb enough. Not at what? He'll be 31 when he's going into the next one. It's if he gets traded to like, man, nobody's signing John Klingberg to an eight year deal to take him to 39. No, oh. but I can see a six year deal to make up for what he lost, you know? I could see it, but that'd be at a lower AV. What Klingberg's doing now is. After him or his agent goofed and realized that that market that they thought was going to be there wasn't, he made the smart move, which is, okay, reset. Just bet on yourself. Yeah. We we now have a good idea of what teams think of me. So 
you know, he's got to be motivated this year. He has to be. So if he doesn't fix the flaws in his game this year, every team, or at least improve on them, I shouldn't say fix. Fix is always the wrong word for that, but improve on his deficiencies. Every team in the league is going to look at him and go, yeah, he's not buying in. We're not paying him. Forget that. Like there'll be teams that will covet him and value him, but it, again, it won't be anywhere near the contract that he would want. You brought up Heronic. And um, Brad, I'm glad you you mentioned Heronic's similarities. Heronic, I think it's a little bit of an oversimplification to call him Klingberg light, but this has kind of a connection into what's going to happen next for Philip Heronic because he's obviously an important player on the Red Wings blue line still. He's going to be playing in the top four and he has how many, two years left on his deal, 4.4 million. No matter how much he's made Red Wings fans want to pull out their hair defensively, he still put up, what was it? almost half a point per game last season. I'm not going to cite plus minus. I hate plus minus, but he's not been a good defender, not even remotely. And I think a lot of his offensive production has not been in the way where we thought it would come, especially considering what we thought was a cannon, but a pinpoint shot from that kind of left top of the left circle. That's completely gone away. His shooting is almost a liability at this point, And he, he doesn't quarterback the power play how we expected he would progress into. So that all, those are all the, questions about philip Ronick, but he's a top four right-handed defenseman who is cost controlled for the next couple of years uh and produces even when he's you know quote unquote bad there are a lot of things on the red wings that could be explained away justifiably by hey the red wings as a whole suck and not every player can break through that on their own and there's a lot of things that can be explained away when you're trying to have another GM in a trade and say, Hey, yeah, you know what? It wasn't Heronic's fault. Look at his defensive partners. Like he played with Mark Stahl for a lot of last year. Like he, he was being dragged down. The truth is probably somewhere halfway between that, but what is the market for Philip Heronic and what is the demand for those right-handed defensemen? Philip Heronic's going to turn into the uh, Rasmus for lining conundrum. Were the Sabres bad because of Rasmus Ristolainen or was Rasmus Ristolainen bad because of the Sabres? As it turns out, it was because Ristolainen was bad and playing 25 minutes a game. But um, there's going to be a lot of that. What's the cause here? Who's influencing the other? Are the Red Wings bad because Philip Peronik was playing 20 plus minutes a game or is Philip Peronik bad because his left D partner they pulled out of the third row just before the game started? Um. The answer is probably obviously a little bit of both, um, truthfully. But yeah, he's young. He's cost controlled. He brings a bit of snarl, which teams yeah. value a lot. Which uh, He's a good guy to have on your defensive core. Yeah, he'll go punch the appropriate person in the face when the time calls for it, which is, you know, not every defenseman does that. And that is teams do really, really value that. Don't ever underestimate that. Even if you as a fan don't value that, don't mistake yourself into thinking that the teams in the NHL don't value that they do. Um, but yeah, again, there, there will be suitors, probably lots of them, just like there will be for John Klingberg. And just like John Klingberg, I don't think the teams are going to pay the price that we would hope Philip Ronick gets. I think Ronick. Actually, let me preface my in answer. terms of trade assets. Let me preface my answer by saying I don't think the answer, the definitive answer for Philip Peronik is to trade him. He is still 24 years old, and we've we I have preached give defensemen more time. We've seen them develop later. I'm not giving up on Philip Peronik, but 
No, no, not at all. He's 24 and he's fine and he's coming into a new coach and a better team. I'm excited to see Philip Pronick this year. I think there's a good chance, like a good chance he improves substantially this year. Uh, it's not a foregone conclusion, but you know, I'd say better than not. He should. He should. Yeah. Actually, if I'm so surprised to he, say he has to. Yeah, yeah. This is the season if he doesn't it's Rasmus Ristolainen. <laughs> That out of the way, the only reason I'm talking trade is because this is a premium position. Teams need this. And I think, I think, yeah, they might not pay for that in free agency, but if they get him, let's say at the trade deadline this year, that's one and a half years at 4.4, subtract whatever Detroit chooses to retain. I think teams could give up a, a pretty penny for that. And I, th- I think a lot of them would look at how often teams trade for defensemen that they perceive as making an impact for their blue line for a cup run all opinions on what Hironic has done over the last few years aside i see him as one of the prime candidates for that yeah i i taught try to like temper expectations on stuff like that because again i don't think I, I like to think most teams would look around and go oh yeah he's just not that good but then i remind myself brennan smith got a second and a third round pick and nick letty just got a second round pick and they were objectively bad nick letty was good for the two weeks before he was traded yeah, exactly. He's good to yeah. start the season. And he had that one spinorama pass to Lucas Raymond and the Blues are like, yes. Yeah. Nick Letty was like, I need to do this if I want to be playing playoff hockey this year. And Brendan Smith got us Jonathan Bergeron. Like, so yeah, as much as I want to be the voice of reason here and say, okay, teams are going to look at Philip Peronek and go, your premium position, great, but he's just not that good. It's not good enough to be dropping first round picks for. Maybe. He's better than Brendan Smith and Nick Letty were at those times. So Tomas Sitar got a first, and he, second, and third. And he's man. younger and he's got a better contract and the Red Wings could retain. So I'm saying, him. yeah. Uh, yeah, like the circumstances are there. Yeah. And if Eisman by and let's be clear, if halfway through this season Philip Ronick has not improved from last year, oh, I'll be the conductor of the trade him now train. While there's still value. While there's still value. Yeah. But um yeah, the defensive market's stupid. I can't wait till we pay Mo Sider 14 mil a year. <laughs> I, I'm telling you, man, Kale McCarr and the Colorado Avalanche did the Red Wings a favor because that $9 million con like any GM in the league will point to that $9 million contract and said, you want to be making more than Kale McCarr? Really? Yeah. And that will be the, the, the cause and justification. And then a good agent will go, uh, you want to make more than Kale McCarr? Yes. Yes. We understand how stupid that contract is. We will not be settling. Thank you. Yes. Next question. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, I mean, who's, uh, who's Marit Sider's uh, uh, agent? I'm sure there would be no, uh, no yeah. animosity in that room. No, none whatsoever. Um, okay. Let us take, uh, let's move on here to our last piece before getting into some uh, info about the show. Uh, and that is our segment uh, sponsored by the FanDuel Sportsbook, while, where we take a look at some betting odds uh, right now for the upcoming 2022-2023 season and uh, make some projections, make some incorrect picks. Evan's not here, so it's just you and I to be completely wrong the entire time, Brad. Yeah, no, yeah, nobody here to just pick the favorites. Yeah. Okay, let's start with President's Trophy. Outright betting, leading the charge, Colorado Avalanche are the favorites at a plus 270. And then there's a steep drop off right away. The Toronto Maple Leafs plus 700, Carolina Hurricanes plus 800, Tampa's at 1,000, Florida's at 1,000, and Vegas is at 1,600. My money, honestly, and I'm going to sound crazy here, I'd go a step further. Edmonton is plus 1,800. I can see a version of the Edmonton Oilers where they don't have their usual Edmonton 
your last place in the league for whatever reason, if they avoid that, they might actually be able to capitalize on a year where maybe Colorado's not as good. Maybe Toronto can't keep up or, or their goaltending doesn't pan out. You know, maybe Carolina still struggles with goaltending and Tampa's tired. Like, I think there's a chance Edmonton could pay off there. They got a full year of competent goaltending. Brett Kulak back for a full year, a full year of Evander Kane. Yeah, I could see that. I don't hate that. Yeah. You know, uh, Connor McDavid, self-explanatory. Um, the hockey world always loves to throw us sick jokes, uh, maximum chaos and all that. I want to know what the parlay would be. <laughs> I think you know where I'm going with this. I want to know what the parlay would be if you bet the Toronto Maple Leafs to win the President's Trophy and then still get bounced in the first round. Oh, I'm sure there will be. Yeah, there will be some options with that for sure. Because like that's a very I, – I really like the Leafs on paper even with their goaltending question marks. Like they're always – they're going to be sick and they're always going to be sick. And I don't love Tampa and Florida's offseason, so I think this is a good time for Toronto to pounce. I don't love that a lot of the teams in their division got better and will thus take more points from them, but that's it's still decent a decent value bet because Toronto's demons are never in the regular season. They've been a phenomenal regular season team for a long time now. They just, you know, the first round is their true enemies. So I don't hate that one. How about this one? Hart trophy. Connor McDavid's leading at plus three hundred. Yeah, that's 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 my answer. You know what my answer <laughs> my answer is at Kale McCarr plus sixteen hundred. He is down that list. Austin Matthews plus four twenty, Leon Drysaddle plus six hundred, McKinnon thousand, Kaprizov twelve hundred, Ranton in twelve hundred. Like, like Kale McCarr is on the fourth row. I like Kale McCarr here at plus sixteen hundred. There's two ways voters generally tend to vote in the Hart Trophy. One, what's the best storyline, and two, who do we owe? You, you know what I mean when I say that. Yeah. yeah. So if there's like a great storyline, like. Not in a million years do I think this will happen, but hypothetically, the Red Wings make a surprise run to the playoffs and Dylan Larkin puts up 90 points. Sure. He will get a lot of traction for MVP just because that's a fun story. I think uh, after the playoffs he had, everybody went, oh, no, yeah, Connor, we're sorry. You are the best player in the world by a lot. Yeah. We're sorry we ever doubted you. And now people are going, how has this guy not won the MVP every year? It's literally because he got beat up by better stories in certain years. So it's either going to be that guy that's not on that list whose team massively exceeds expectations or might be on the list. Like, I think we're all pretty down on Minnesota. So if they go on a good run, Caprizov will get a lot of love. If not, if there's not an obvious one of those and Connor McDavid is Connor McDavid this year, it'll be Connor McDavid because everybody's going, yeah, sorry, Connor. We should just like, I'll still bang the drum. It was, there was a four year stretch where Eric Carlson should have won the Norris trophy every year and there should have never been a debate, but because, you know, voter fatigue that's happening currently with Connor McDavid, he should win it every year there. He's not had a season in how long where he wasn't the best player on the planet. Yeah, guys have given him runs like Matthews and him this year were neck and neck and then the playoffs just proved no, Connor is the guy. So, if he doesn't have that voter fatigue this year, which again, I think the playoffs shook that out of everybody, he'll be the front runner and then yeah, there'll be whatever team you think could be a good dark horse, pick their superstar because that's probably what it's going to be. Storylines if Ovechkin wins the Rocket Richard, you have to add him to the heart list. So that's plus 2,000. And honestly, what if Sidney Crosby pops off, right? Like, 
that is a storyline where people would be like, wow, at their age, they're still doing this. So plus two and 3000 for, for Ovechkin and Crosby respectively, those are also. And if I was to give a pick for like a super way off the board pick, but his team is in a position where I could see if he pops off and has a big year and they rock it up the standings, him getting a lot of love coupled with a good storyline. Mm-hmm. Watch out for Jack Eichel. That's a good one. If if Vegas plus twenty five hundred, yeah. If Vegas has a really good year, and you know this is Eichel's first like proper off season to train in how long? He's healthy going into the season. Vegas missed the playoffs. He's been getting a ton of criticism. This is as motivated as he's ever going to be. Vegas is a prime team to bounce back, and if he can put up ninety to a hundred points coming off major neck surgery, he'll get a lot of voter love. Again, that's it's a long shot, and I understand it's a long shot. I'm not sitting here going, I'm guaranteeing a Jack Eichel heart. I'm saying that's good value for what is potentially shaping up to be a perfect storm for him in terms of performance and voter love. And uh, just to wrap here, uh, the Red Wings are sitting at plus 250 to make the playoffs. So for any of you who are wondering where that's at. That it, is not as long as I would have thought. It's not as long as I would have thought. Columbus is plus 370 and they're there. So that's a little bit further. And I don't know that they are that much. They are that far apart. No, I, yeah, I would have thought Columbus's odds would have been higher, especially after Goudreau. All right. That's that segment. Thank you to the FanDuel Sportsbook. Before we get into overtime, a couple things. Like we mentioned at the top of the show, we are officially in our off season, which means we are now going down to one episode a week. It'll typically be Sundays, sometimes because of vacation or holiday. Monday, we'll let you know. Uh, in advance. If you go to wingwheelpodcast.com uh, and you hit the episodes button at the top bar, we usually try to schedule out the next two shows so you can look there and see where uh, when the next episode is happening. If you're a Patreon supporter, you are still going to get some midweek content. They're not going to be full episodes. They're not going to be traditional, like full length winged wheel podcast episodes where we're talking about whatever topic we do things like, you know, we did a 2017 draft class review and we cried uh, into the mics for a little while. We talk about, you know, we ranked Red Wings legends one time. We kind of take more evergreen or where uh, specific topics. And sometimes we go 25 minutes. Sometimes we go 55 just as our inspiration takes us. And it's a lot more like kind of loose and fun. So Evan swears a lot. Evan does swear a lot. He loves it. He lives for it. We've oh, ne- we're we're a bunch of hockey bros. Like it's <laughs> so hard to keep in the to keep language. within the lot. Like I don't think people understand. Like I speak two languages: English and profanity. <laughs> you speak hockey and you speak podcast. Exactly, yeah. and they're two very different languages. Anyhow, uh, those those are the midweek pieces of content. So not starting with this midweek, we're giving ourselves a little break to kind of celebrate making it through the season. Uh, but starting, you know, next midweek is when patrons can expect those. So patrons are still going to be getting two episodes of a kind each week. And for uh, those who aren't patrons, you're still going to get one episode of the Winged Wheel podcast a week. The big caveat here is that if and when Steve Eisman does something, if it doesn't line up with a weekend episode, we will be doing a normal episode to cover it. So we're not going to let news go uncovered. So um, thank you all for bearing with us. And uh, we'll give you a heads up when we start back with two a week. It's as we get closer to the season. So we'll just kind of see how the news is shaking out. Uh, anything else that we want to cover before jumping into overtime? Want to? No. <laughs> Uh, all right. We have our overtime segment coming up here and overtime. If you didn't know is brought to you by our Patreon supporters, 
They're the reason why this episode does continue through the uh, this episode. This podcast continues through the off season, not made possible if uh, or wouldn't be possible if not for uh, everything they do for the show. So patreon.com slash winged wheel podcast. If you want to join the dub dub club, have some fun on the discord and generally just support the show. So thank you to all of our uh, patrons. I am going to uh, start with some comments here. I did try to plan them out in advance and it failed. Uh, this comment here from Jigglypigs says, when Detroit starts making a run for the playoffs and later for the cup, are you guys planning on going to playoff games and eventually, hopefully, the Stanley Cup final? Good God, yes. Yes. Smash that yes button times a million. I have been to two Red Wings playoff games in my life. I need to fix that. And one of them, they got shut out. So <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, the counter, the second one was the last ever playoff win at the Joe, but still uh zachary rogers says who's a guy in the wings who you think will have a breakout year um not picking zadina been burned before um i'll take the easy answer here i'll say verona plays full 82 or close to and scores at a pace we expect might as well stick with my bold prediction from a couple weeks ago i'll say kubelik okay uh, Evan's adult film name Havana Lobsaber says there's been a lot of talk in the media regarding players signing with teams based in income tax free states. The solution I've heard uh, the most is to increase the effective cap for teams like Toronto, New York or LA so the players take home pay can remain the same with any of those teams as it would be if they played in Tampa, Florida or Nashville. Toronto might have a cap ceiling of 93 million while Tampa and Florida would have a cap ceiling of 83 million as a, an estimate or whatever. This idea strikes me as stabbing your thigh to reduce the pain from the self-inflicted gunshot wound in your foot. Just remove the cap and let the teams that can keep up compete. What are your guys' thoughts on this? I'm hugely in favor of having a salary cap. Um, it Competitive balance is needed. Uh, God, I was listening to something that was saying in a lot of the soccer leagues in Europe, they have a salary cap, but it's based off of net income, not gross income. Now I'm sure that would be a nightmare to calculate. So if they had to kind of like, you know, round it up or estimate it to, so it's not exact fine. I'm in favor of it. Um, because we do see with a lot of no trade lists that have come out that guys like Dodonovs, for example, where he just like his 10 team, no trade was, was just the 10 highest tax brackets. And, you know, people will say, okay, well, that's your hill to overcome. But in a league that's all about parity and fairness, it is a pretty big advantage to some teams. So if there is a clean way of balancing it out, that would be good. I'm not super confident there's a way to do that with the way the NHL operates. But if they could, I would be in favor. Uh, comment here from Rose, who's a new patron, says, Hey, Winged Wheel Podcast, I'm a new Patreon member, started listening to you last season and have enjoyed learning more about the Red Wings and hockey in general. I've been a Wings fan since I was seven or eight. Rose, welcome to the Dub Dub Club and thank you so much for your support. Um, her question is about Nazem Kadri, whether we think it's likely or not. And we chatted about that and then uh, also asked, What would the line combinations be if it happened? If you're signing Kadri and for the amount you're signing him for, he's playing in your top six. Oh, thousand percent. He is your second line center. Maybe sometimes that actually would give you the flexibility to move Larkin down the line. If you need down the line, you can make two, you know, one B lines, so to speak. Yeah. I don't think they would break up the Raymond Bertuzzi Larkin line. I think that makes too much sense to leave them together. I think the second line would then become Kadri Perron, which wouldn't that be something that that would, wouldn't that be some 
That would be spicy. Talking about storylines. Yes. Kadri, Piran, and then Verana. I, I think, think that's so. pretty obvious. So then your third line, you're probably bumping Suter to wing because you don't want him on your fourth line. So you're looking at Kubali, Cop, Suter. Yeah. And then the fourth line is Valeno, Rasmus, and Zadina. Which I would take. Yeah, that's a hell of a fourth line. That's a, a, that's a brutal deal for a Philip Zadina hoping to stay long-term. And he still doesn't have it. Speaking of deal, he doesn't have yeah. one yet. So, but yeah, your cadre sitting in your top six is the long and short of it. Uh, more line combo questions. The patented Pissick Piss Missile says Mata Cider and Sharat Heronic or Sharat Cider and Mata Heronic. I think what they're going to do is Cider, Sharat, Mata Heronic, whoever, whoever makes it. Edvinson, yeah. if he makes the it. Next, out of that group of like seven defensemen vying, that, vying for those last two jobs, pick the best two. Yeah. Um, I agree with you, Brad. I will add the caveat and say they're going to settle into what works. On paper, Stahlhronik shouldn't have worked, but it did. So if it works out that, you know, Sherat Hronik works, then they'll try that and they'll... Hronik doesn't carry defensive pair on his own. He needs support in one way or another. So they're, I think that is going to be, crazy to say, even more important than Sider's partner. Yeah, and honestly, if we're talking about just pure defensive game, I think Mata's better, so... Yeah, if you want to insulate Heronic, Mata is probably the right call there. Okay, uh, Keenan O'Donohue says, would you trade Bertuzzi for a package or just one for one for Alexander Holtz? Thanks, guys. would love to see him and Raymond together. That was brought up before, and I think that's a really intriguing trade. And I think in a way it makes sense for both teams. Man, I'm torn on that one. Which usually is the indication of that's a fair trade. Yeah. If whenever I'm like like 50-50 on a trade, that usually means that's about right. I have some concerns because I thought Holtz would have broke through by now, especially seeing how well, you know, his partner in crime forever, um, Lucas Raymond did this year. But that being said, we said their entire draft year that Raymond was definitively a better player than Holtz. I know most public models didn't agree with that, but we said that, so I'm standing by it. But mm-hmm. um, yeah. Yeah, that would make a lot of sense, actually. And both teams are in a position where that would still make sense. What would I prefer? Honestly, at this point, it would be hard to get a first-round pick wherein you'd get a, the same caliber of player that Holtz should be. Yeah, Bertuzzi, like to be clear, is probably getting a late first-round pick. Because- I could see mid, but it's it, that's, yeah. I think that's by virtue of you Teams get, who are trading for him aren't don't aren't picking high enough. Yeah. So it's not that I don't think he's worth as much, especially if he's signed. Like, like let's say he has the Mantha contract or whatever. That's insanely valuable, but teams who are trading for him aren't drafting top 10. So, okay, here's a hypothetical, and I, I think I know my answer here, but I'm curious. New Jersey is the example. If they said you can have our first round pick or Al- lottery protected or Alex Holtz, which would you pick? Holtz. I think New Jersey is going to be way better this year. They should be. But I don't think they're guaranteed to be, so that could be a top 10 pick, if not... Yeah. Okay, if New Jersey misses... Top 10 the, in a strong draft? If New Jersey misses the playoffs, what are they going into the lottery? Anywhere from 13th to 9th, maybe? I, no, I could. I see reality where New Jersey is a bottom 10 team this year. That would have to be injuries, and their goaltending would have to continue to suck. And their goaltending is? Blackwood and Vanacek. It's Vanacek, yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm just saying. they They were almost... Like you have to remove this data point as an outlier bad last year in ways where they shouldn't have been. You know, I agree, but 
you know, there's always that one team. Yeah, no, you're making a good point. And I guess that does cover you off. Like if you're Steve Eisenman and saying, I just spent all this money to make my team better and pull myself out of the lottery. This is a cool way of staying in the lottery. Just make sure you beat New Jersey every time you play. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Those, those games, Lucas Raymond and Mo Satter are playing two minutes of every single power play. Dylan Larkin plays 28 minutes, like only against New Jersey. And it does give you a little bit more flexibility. Like, let's say you still are drafting 12th. Well, you don't know what centermen are available there. So then your entire future isn't riding on Marco Casper or, you know, whatever defenseman you might want. I don't know. And it, it does move the age of your, it does move the age of your core further down. It also moves flexibility because if Holtz doesn't pop off this year, that's a diminishing asset. And if, let's say, the Red Wings are better than expected this year. Yeah. And they make the playoffs, even if they get wiped in the first round. But let's say they make the playoffs. All of a sudden, you're holding two first-round picks next year, and a really good second-line center hits the market somewhere in the NHL. Yeah. I'm not saying Dubois, but someone like a Dubois, because I am fully off the Dubois train. You can't talk me into him at this point. But someone like that, and all of a sudden, you go, we can give up a first-round pick and still keep a first-round pick and get a guy for the right now as we're on the upwards trajectory. Yeah, I don't think there's a bad option here. No, there isn't. There really isn't. I mean, the bad option is losing Bertuzzi, but you know, for enough, you got to maximize it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, new patron Cody Savonen says, "Hey, fellows, new patron here from the Upper Peninsula. Now that we're moving closer to the true off season, my question is for Evan. Evan, well, this is the most Evan answer you're ever going to get. Any tips for playing in a golf tournament, prep strategy, etc. Thanks for the great pod, fellows. Cody, let me tell you, we're going to make Evan answer this next episode, so ask it again. Um, but what does Evan do to prep for a tournament? He talks about it for nine effing months in advance, nonstop. It's the only thing he'll tell you about. It is kind of nice to see him passionate about it, though. Yeah. He's very into it. You guys are lucky I get all my hockey talk out at work, so I don't come here and bore you guys to death with it. I, I'll tell you, by hole 16 today, I'm like, I had a fun round. I don't understand how this guy plays this much. No, I know. I I just, again, it's not my thing. I could play hockey three hours a day every day for the rest of my life because it's my thing. So I fully understand where he's coming from. Golf's just not that for me. Yeah, it's fun, but it's not like hockey. No. I I guess easier to play because you're not getting on the ice. But anyhow, uh, sorry, Cody, for for him. Uh, he's uh, he's just now getting back from his uh, his little vacation. Reed says, "Hey, a question for all three of you." Ugh, Evan, disappointing as usual. Uh, which player in recent memory surprised you the most as their development played out, good or bad, relative to their consen- consensus assessment when they are drafted league wide, not necessarily a Red Wing? Oh, league wide. Man, the Rangers with Lafreniere and Kako, like yeah, it's a good one. I thought, I thought Kako. My my honest truth, and I'm not trying to retcon this. I thought Kako maybe had a lower ceiling than people were giving him credit for. Not bad, but I thought maybe he wasn't going to be like a, a world beater. But I also thought he would be more NHL ready. Not in the same way, but the same way we kind of thought Brady Kachuk would be, and he, and Lafreniere as well have struggled and Kako is still struggling in a big way. I'll give two answers from the same draft. One Kirby doc. I thought he was going to be way better than this. Just, I was, I was so high on him. I thought for (laughs) sure he was going to be a superstar. Brad was elated when uh, he was drafted before Detroit had a chance to draft him. (laughs) Brad was big off the Kirby doc train. 
Uh, and in the same draft, the obvious answer that's just standing here punching us in the mouth, yeah. Mo Sider. That is the real answer. That is the league-wide answer. That is, he just happens to be a Red Wing. Can I say something about that, though? Mo Sider, we saw signs of this from the moment he was drafted. Everywhere he went, he was ultra successful to the point where when people were saying, could Mo Sider, like before his rookie season, people were saying, could Mo Sider win the Calder Trophy. We weren't saying there's no way he could ever do it. We were saying it is insanely hard for a defenseman to do it. Like by the time he was at the Red Wings, we were saying, will Lucas Raymond make the team? And we were also saying how many minutes a night is Mo Sider going to be playing by game 10? Like you actually, I distinctly remember Brad, you saying something like Mo Sider is already the Red Wings best defenseman next season. And he hasn't played a game yet. And <laughs> I, I think that was more of an indictment on the rest of the team. It was. <laughs> And what's my job in life if not to call out your bullshit? And I looked at you and I went, I can't actually argue with you. <laughs> like, that's just where the Red Wings were at. So, yeah, Mo Sider is the obvious answer. But at the same time, it did not take long for him to start proving people wrong, including us, as to whether he was a worthy pick at six overall. Which, yeah. So that might at six overall, it might be one of the best value picks of the last five years. Well, yeah, because like in terms of how he's turned out versus, you know, consensus. Uh, the consensus was he was like at best a late teens pick. And then they drafted him at six. And now the hindsight is that guy might go first overall in that draft. Like six was way too low. <laughs> we'll take it. <laughs> uh, okay. Folks, thank you all so much for listening. The podcast isn't going away, but thank you for uh, sticking with us through to the off season. The off season is fun in its own way, and uh, having the week off between episodes allows time for the the content and the news to build up, and it allows time for us to re-energize. So, uh, appreciate you being patient with us for that. Uh, like to thank all of our listeners, new and old. If you're new to the show and you've just come on with the draft or free agency, welcome. The show is just as fun in the off season, and if you've been with us for a long time. What's wrong with you? And also, thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Um, all of our listeners, all of our Patreon supporters, uh, the sponsors of this podcast, the FanDuel Sportsbook, all of you who have left us ratings on Apple Podcast, uh, Spotify, Google Podcast, wherever, it, it really, really does help. And our name level supporters on Patreon. Arjun Shanker, Eves Bartels on behalf of the Sarah Grand Foundation, Akefur, the Stay Fresh Cheese Bag, Nick Perks, Nicholas Brodeen, Brett Bailey, Terry Driver of the Number 69, Cryin Ryan, Hannah's Banana Slam of Jamathong, BJ Johnston, Matthew M. Rice, Ben Hurd, Carl Brutana Nanaluski, Chimmy, Citizen High Five, Connor Scovey, Coyote Season Tickets in Tempe, Craig Kibble, Derek Enstam, DJ Denton, Give Blood Fight Probert, Greech, Hassam Al Qasem, Jay Gollum, Jacob Turner, Kalen Wood, King Tone, Marcus, uh, Matt McKay, Nicholas Fritz, R.A., <laughs> Ryan Hanna, <laughs> Ryan Hanna, <laughs> God, they did a thing again, Ryan Hanna, <laughs> Ryan Hanna, Ryan Hanna, Ryan Hanna, this one's misspelled in all caps, Ryan Hanna, Ryan Hubbard, <laughs> Scott Martin, Zachary Rogers, Ryan Hanna, Sam Bankson, Babe Landiscock is the Stanley Cup champion, Brian Vasha, Connor Leighton, Dave W., Dungeon Master of Puppet, Puppets, uh, Evans Bingo Card, Griffey Boy, High and Rana. <laughs> it's, it's, 
<laughs> it hurts when I puce suitor. James Laporte, Jeremiah Adobo, Jeremy Brocker, J.M. Rhapsody, Josh Yelton, Justin and the Angry Mob, Carco Masper, Kevin McCracken, Quaz, Melissa Erickson, Papa Woody, Puck Norris, Reed, Revy DeLuca, Ryan One Million Hannahs, <laughs> Ryan Hannah, 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 Ryan Hannah. They wrote it in like the mocking font. Thick Rick, Trevor Pebavar, Zach McCann, a driving range superstar. Uh, the words that are in my name no longer mean anything to me, so I'm going to now deal with that. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.